You're listening to Create Wealth Through Franchising, and I'm your host, Kim Daly. In my 20 years as a franchise consultant, I've helped hundreds of people achieve their dreams of building and scaling franchise businesses to create wealth. The interview you're about to hear can also be found on my YouTube channel, where I post new franchising content multiple times per week. Please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and to my YouTube channel at kimdaily.tv. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to Kim Daily TV. My special guest today is a friend of mine. His name is Michael McElhaney. He is the president and CEO of a company called Units Moving and Storage. Michael, welcome to Kim Daily TV. Thank you, Kim, and thank you for the opportunity. I'm so excited to have you here because I know that moving and storage is a bulletproof industry, and you know it. But today we want to share a little bit about why moving in storage is such a great business to be in, regardless of COVID-19 or what's happening in the world. So where I'd like to start the conversation really is tell the audience a little bit about units moving in storage and your point of differentiation in this marketplace. Wonderful. So uh, units moving and portable storage was started in Charleston, South Carolina in 2002. Um, I personally was in the fixed storage business and still am to this day. I started in the fixed storage in 1995. And the difference is, is that we take the storage to the customer and, um, and it makes it much less stressful for them. And we only touch the belongings twice, whereas traditional stores, they would touch it four times. Taking it from their home to the storage, fixed storage facility. Uh, out of the fixed storage facility, back to their home and their new residence. So we save a lot of stress on the on the uh, on our clients. So you are in what some people may say, "Wow, he kind of competes against himself." You have fixed storage and portable storage. So how do you? Why do you do that? Are, do you compete against yourself in the same markets? Yeah, I do actually. I um, I fly a banner over the beaches because we live here on the coast in Charleston, and it's a. Uh, 30 foot by 70 Kim and it says it's got our big logo it says units and then on the back end of the of it it says never visit a self-storage facility again and my son he was 12 and he saw it flying over the beach he said dad he said what do you I said but look people love fixed storage they love portable storage we're, we're capturing 100 percent of it so yeah I mean I think uh, you know in the fixed storage Kim we 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 don't attract your wine uh, your wine vendors your Frito-Lay vendors your mom and pop landscapers or your mom and pop construction companies, they use fixed storage. Um, but those are the only ones that really don't use our portable storage business. Other than that, we, we attract all of the portable storage side of it. Guys, did you hear what he just said? He listed like customers that you probably weren't even thinking about as customers for storage. So why did you first get into the storage business? Why is it such a good business for anybody to be in? Well, that's a great question. So I started my first business in 1989 um, in the construction field, a lot of overhead, um, and uh, in 94, I was looking to diversify. And so I was looking for three things, um, low overhead, equity, and residual income. And lo and behold, I fell- Three good things, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> lo and behold, I fell, uh, I fell into the self-storage uh, industry when it was literally, uh, quote unquote, going out of style back in 95. But, um, and just started uh, building facilities. Our first one was in Polly's Island. Our second one was in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And- um, and then started buying up land all within three hours, Kim, because I said, if I can travel three hours, 
we can um, we can capture as much market share as we could, and then once we did that, then expand some and expand some more. And so our Polly's Island facility was um, a retirement community, and so it's um, uh, elderly people in respect, and and their um, children were back up north, and and so they really had no way to move their belongings and or, or get their belongings to us, and and so it was you know, our choices were. Uh, Ryder, Pimpsky, or U-Haul, which they couldn't drive nor walk up the ramp, and so um, I started uh, working on uh, a system in 2000, and we finally launched it in Charleston in 2002 called Units Moving and Portable Storage, and then we started franchise. We did so well out the gate that we said, you know what, we can help other people, um, not only help other people use this service across the country, but also help people um, from a franchise se- se- sector, pl- plucking them, plucking them out of corporate America, plugging them into our system, and just watching them succeed and, and nurture them and grow. So we set people up for success. We've retired several multimillionaires uh, after a decade of being in our system, and um, that's just so, 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 so rewarding. I, I'm just a firm believer, and you help enough other people get what they want, you'll get what you want, and so it's played true to this day. That's really great. So your franchise business that's been so successful and helped other people achieve their dreams was started because you were solving a problem for your customer in your original business, which was the fixed storage business. How fun is that? What a great story. I never knew that. That's really awesome. So, okay. So with units, um, is, is there, so you say you serve the same customer, do both businesses have sort of that feeling of being bulletproof or do you see long-term one being better than the other? You know, that's a good question. Early on, we, we, um, uh, had an in-house broker in 2000. We, we finally got our FDD. We started in 2005 and finally became compliant in 2007. And, um, and it was interesting. I won't, I won't even go there. We'll just pass right over that comment. So, uh, so, so we, we were going to the AMSA shows, American Movement and, um, Association, and uh, and they really didn't want to have anything. We were going to the self-storage association shows, inside self-storage association shows, and they were, like, shunning us. But now they're embracing us because they see that, I mean, and in, in, in Wall Street talks about storage. You have more and more um, high high end occupations getting in our spaces, particularly the fixed space. Um, attorneys, doctors, large REITs, um, uh, like for instance, extra space is a billion dollar you know REIT. Um, life storage is same. So, so as we as 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 uh, the these markets grow, if and I'm sure in your market, that if you you've probably seen more and more self storage facilities being built, and most of them these days are vertical, not horizontal. They go straight up, right? Um, which is a beautiful thing. I love I love building them and developing them. So I don't see a saturation. I mean, I, I have some you know some some buddies of mine, and I just cut them off, Kim, as soon as they ask, well, well Michael, what where where are all these people? I said I don't care. I don't care. As long as they put a lock on my door, I'm fine. So I don't care where it converts. But it seems like the more people, especially domestically in the States, that I found that 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 store stuff, then buy more stuff and store it. So I don't ask the question. Our, our desire to store our stuff. Right. <laughs> Hey, Daily Coach fans, if this franchise sounds like a fit for you, I would love to be your Daily Coach. Email me right now for a totally free consultation at inquire at kimdaily.tv. Okay, so I meet a lot of investor type 
people who have the mindset of putting their money in motion and getting their money working for them. And they're saying things like, I'm looking for a depreciable asset. I'm looking for a great tax deduction business. Does storage, both portable and fixed storage, fit that definition? It does. It does. And right now we have three owners um, just currently that I'm speaking of that are building their own facilities. So we encourage to to get into your first facility, we help pick that facility for them for the first year, um, five years. And then in year three, we try to coach them into, and we help them 100% into getting their own, building their own facility from ground up. And in that way, they have an asset, right? It's just like us having fixed storage facilities. So not only do you have a vital business, um, but now you have an asset because you own the land. So we just we just sold, um, this is a good story, we just sold um, helped our Phoenix location. He was in for 10 years. and. He retired very, very well off, as I mentioned earlier. And um, in year five, he bought his own facility. And so now he's leasing the facility back to his new the new owner for uh, a, a lot of money. And so he's making money on that. He made money on his sale. And he's got residual coming in from the from the warehouse. So, um, yeah, there is an asset play to it. And that's what we try to get our owners to do after the first five years to get into their own facility. And then I'll yeah, that awesome. one, build another one, and then rent that one out. And then that one pays the rent for the new one. And it just it's a cycle. And it just keeps going. It's, a, it's crazy. It's beautiful. So, okay, this may be a lob question, but let's just throw it out there. The barrier of entry to mobile storage versus fixed storage. In my mind, it feels like mobile storage has to be a smaller investment out of the gate than fixed storage. But why don't you clarify? No, it is. And that's one of the reasons, Kim, why our space is so wanted, quite frankly. I mean, we have We've got one guy that's got 80 storage facilities that's a franchisee of units. I mean, because he sees it. He sees that people are going to be storing both ways. And why not capture 100% of it? But the fixed side is, oh, I mean, we just finished a, a $12 million facility of 670 units. And you open the door and you pray, pray, pray that those, those units fill up. Whereas with, with the, the portable side, you can, you know, you can graduate into it. We start with 120 and then... You move on up, move on up, move on up, and and then you can you can pick your warehouse space uh, as you grow, um, and then the red tape. There's a, like when we build a, a fixed uh, storage facility, Kim, from ground up, the red tape going through the municipalities and zoning and permitting, and that that's non-existent with units because you go into an industrial park, you don't have to have road frontage, and you and you rent warehouse space, and it's all it's all all that red tape's gone. I mean, that's usually at least a year process through red tape to get a facility permitted. And I'd say it's about 10%. So you're 1.2 million with the units uh, franchise, you got to have a net worth of 1.2 million um, to get a, a business up and running with 250, depending on your market, 300 containers, you're, you're every bit of uh, one, 1 1.8, 2.2 million. And, 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 and you're very profitable. Um, and you consider, uh, you know, a fixed storage facility, but today's, I mean, I'm hearing where seeing actually not hearing where uh, facilities are selling for three hundred dollars square foot, which is so eighty thousand square foot facilities, twenty one million dollars, um, which is good. That's good. It's pretty good, guys. <laughs> That's pretty good. Hot level of investment, but you know, those of you who've been are watching this video, who've landed on any of my other videos, understand if you've heard me talk about the the uh, money and time are inversely related, right? So a smaller investment of money typically buys a business where the owner is going to be more active.
active in the business, proactively driving that activity. The moving and storage business would be the exact opposite of that, a bigger cost of entry to get into, to build that infrastructure, but then buying that owner back his or her time, right? Because you don't have to be in that moving and storage business in order for it to go, right? So it's that trade-off of money for time. All right. Love it. So um, back to my investors who may be watching this, who love that tax, the, the depreciation. So is there any differentiation in the depreciable asset from the containers versus the fixed storage? If someone was really looking for the pure tax savings, is one better than the other? Yeah, yeah, I would say the, the portable side is because your containers, our life expectancy is 15 years, whereas fixed storage is, is there for, you know, forever, quite frankly, unless it's an act of mother nature. So yeah, your depreciable assets on the portable side are way, way, way much greater than your, your fixed side. Another thing I should mention is that, you know, sometimes entrepreneurs who come to the idea of like, should I start a business from scratch? Like, should I go with a franchise? They may look at a quote, simple business seemingly simple, like storage and say, oh, I don't need a franchise or I don't have to pay fees to go do that. I could just go do it on my own. So what would you say to that after being in this business for so many years? That's an awesome question. That's a great question. Um, first, I'll tell you that if I, if I could have got into a system back in 2002, I would have done it. Secondly, obviously, uh, we have a national account program. We're engaged with ServiceMaster, ServPro, um, all the insurance companies. So you get you get you get buy-in power. So the minute you open, you automatically have business, right? We also have a a, a, a buy-in power because we buy so many containers. So we have to keep leverage with our manufacturers. So if you went out on your own, you'd pay at least twenty to thirty percent more for, for your containers because we're buying thousands a year, right? And they're not. Same with our delivery systems. Um, but I think what's really, really the icing on the cake with this, I was speaking with a franchise um, who had personal friends of Ray Kroc. He's uh, opened over 80 McDonald's. He owned personally 90 McDonald's. He has a couple You Break It, I Fix It franchises, a couple smoothie franchises. And, I, and it, to me, he's a mentor, actually. I mean, he's just, I try to get around as much gray as I can because I'm, I'm a sponge. I just want to learn. But anyway, so I was speaking with him two weeks ago. And he said, he said, Michael, I just want to let you know something. I said, what's that, Mr. Miller? He said, our, our um, LDM revenue in August paid my royalties. So we started our LDM system oh, about, about six years ago. And basically, and that was the whole game plan, Kim, with the franchise. Not only helping the people in the communities get a better product and a better service with less stress and, quite frankly, for about the same amount of money, but also being able to take people out of corporate America and help breed, you know, mold them and nurture them and um, just care for them and, and get them, drive them to strong EBITDAs, to success, to retirement, but also to help the Miss Smith that's keeping her container here in, in Charleston and she gets a call from Bowen saying, I got to move to Seattle, right? And so what were her options? Get called United Mayfire Bacon and get them to go to the facility and unload our unit and load it in that there and then ship it across country. And then when you ship it at United Bacon and Mayfire, it's got to come out of that 18-wheeler. The day it gets there, well, say her house wasn't ready. Say that say the closing fell apart. So then she's got to go take it from there and go to a facility. Sometimes she, as long as you're getting touched six times. Whereas with units, she calls says, "Hey, um, uh, I'm, my my uh, Bowen's transferred me from Charleston to Seattle. How can you help me?" 
and we give her a quote. We put the container on a on a semi and we ship it to ship it to Seattle uh, for a third of the cost. And um, and that's not in our performa. That's an added revenue stream that we added on six years ago. And the own, and the owners have no skin in the game. They don't they don't pay for the call center. They don't pay for the container. They don't pay for booking it. All they have to do is when the container arrives to their facility, is stab it with the forklift, stack it until they need it, and if they need it then, then they put it on, then they deliver it, and they get a delivery fee as well. Plus, they get a third of our of our uh, move. So my goal and vision is to have every owner making enough money and more money through the LDM system to pay the royalties. That's a wash completely, and you're and you got a brand that's. Bulletproof. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. That's I, amazing. I, it was just music to my ears when he, when he told me that. And by the way, That's his, amazing. his royalties are pretty hefty because he's a, uh, a very, um, one of our bigger franchises, but that way. Hey, Daily Coach fans. If you're inspired by this conversation, I invite you to email me right now to explore this franchise opportunity. My email is inquire at kimdaily.tv. Guys, are you hearing this? A franchisor who's creating additional revenue streams that cost him money, doesn't really cost the franchisee any money, hoping that that's, this new program will, will surpass, equal and or surpass the royalty dollars. Like, so when, when people come to me, Michael, you know, you, you, you funneled enough of my candidates and, you know, I'm sure you know some of these myths about like how evil the franchisor is, you know, they don't really care about your success. And I, I stand here on my soapbox and I say, well, that may be true for some franchisors, but not the ones that Kim Daly is bringing to you, right? Like Michael is an, an example of the heart and the soul of like the franchisors that I want to bring to my candidates. Franchisors who have strong experience, franchisors who have strong programs and systems and who have a reason for you to help you get up the learning curve of being a business owner. Because even in a seemingly simple business like moving in storage, there is something to be gained by being partnered with experience. And pretty much Every entrepreneur who started a business from scratch, they're the easiest people to sell on the value of franchising, right? <laughs> business from scratch, you know how hard it is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and successful because most of them don't even succeed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then you come to an idea like, you know, Michael's concept where, you know, I don't know what you state as your failure rate, but I know you have a very, very high success rate. And that, and I know that you have some heavy hitters. You've already mentioned the kinds of people that are some of, you know, the franchisees in your system. You're attracting experienced entrepreneurs and business owners to your idea, which what does that say? It says that you, there's a reason, there's value to what you're offering to those people that are like out there listening and you're skeptical about the value that a franchisor can actually bring to you. So hopefully that hits home with you. So I know like contrary to a lot of other franchises that I work with, units always is a little more slower and methodical, like wanting to bring in the right people versus like just a lot of people. What is your plan for like moving forward into 2022? How many markets do you even have left open? Do you know? Yes, we have. Or do I need to consult Matt Dillon? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, not the actor. I keep my, I keep, <laughs> trust me, I keep my finger on the pulse. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot left, and then plus we're doing international as well. 
Uh, we've been compliant in Canada since 212. It drives me crazy that we're not there yet. Um, Matt and Damon really, they, they, they know how I feel about that. Um, but, uh, and we just engaged with Doug Wong, who's uh, helped, helped put Denny's in, on the map uh, in other countries. And so we're currently, we have in-house counsel, um, Patrick Autry, who helped Nine Round put, uh, put them in 20 different countries. And so I am very bullish about, about getting the, uh, built out domestically, but as well as internationally on, on several fronts. One is internationally, our, our business in general, just storage is an incubator stage. I mean, it's just not existent. So, so that's one good thing and people need, need that service. And then secondly, if I can create an environment that positions leverage, which is um, manufacturing you know, 15,000 containers a year over five because we're international now, I'm all about leverage. I'm all about having the, having the upper hand on our manufacturers. And so, so those, you know, those are, those are the reasons. As far as growth plans, you're right. We, we had a competitor that came from the background of uh, Century 21 and they were very good at franchising, really, really good at franchising, but, um, but not good at supporting their owners. And we're not about setting people up for failure. We're about setting people up for success. And that's why our organizational chart is so packed with so much talent because I've always believed in paying it forward. And, um, and we still do that to this day. So in 2020, our goal was 12, and we did 14. And in 2021, our goal was 12, and we did nine, we're at 19 right now. And our goal in 2022 is going to be 12 in two countries. Michael, why are you stuck on 12? You know, it's just that's the number. It's not, it's not who can breathe fog on a mirror. It's, it's who we can put in that market and place a quality candidate in that market that we know that we can work with. It's, it's really about the quality of the people. Because look, um, life's too short to deal with people that, that don't want to plug in. So they know up front, because I set a pretty standard that you plug into the system, you stay plugged into the system, we remain positive, we can do it attitude, and we pound that. That's our culture. Our culture is all in, and we pound on the, we, the first time, any speech I give, I'm, first thing I go over is our mission statement or code of values. Our owners are probably tired of hearing it, but I don't care. That's our foundation and that's what we build on. So what what is the definition of this you know, perfect candidate for your process or that would go on to become a franchisee in your system? Well, uh, first of all, you know, a good clean background check, right? Uh, second of all, financially qualified. Um, but one of the things that I go over Discovery Day, and it's the biggest part of, of my presentation at Discovery Day, Kim, is I was... Um, uh, I used to say I believe readers are leaders, but my wife said, Michael, that might be abrasive. How about I'm of the opinion that readers are leaders? So I'm of the opinion that readers are leaders. So I was reading this book called The Ideal Team Player, and it's a business book, uh, a very good business book, by the way. And I flipped to, I was flipping through, and there was a VIN, there was a VIN uh, uh, chart on one of the pages, and it had three circles, and in the middle, all three circles um, met each other. And so it was hungry, humble, and smart. And so I said, wow. I mean, it just stuck out like a like you know, deer in headlights. And I was like, wow, I'm going to go to my businesses, and I'm going to see who has these traits. And um, in, in the book, the guy, a new CEO, came in to take over a company who um, didn't know that industry. It was a big construction industry. And, um, and they had a big project to do, Kim, and, 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 and he needed to hire a superintendent. And all the seniors that knew of a superintendent for him to hire 
And he interviewed him. He didn't hire him. And they said, we got to get this project done. Why didn't you hire him? And he said, he didn't meet the, qual- the qualities. And they were like, you're not going to find anybody like that. And so in the, in the end of the book, he did. And the company, you know, excelled and all that. So, so not only do we, anything that we uh, ask of somebody, we lead by example. Hungry, humble, and smart. Other things that the Daily Coach also has said in many other videos on this YouTube channel. It's so great. Guys, this is what you're looking for. I stand here on my soapbox and say, when you buy a franchise, when you invest in a franchise, you are not buying a widget. You are not buying a brand. You are buying leadership, period. So on that note, let's go ahead and say, if you are interested in this business, please leave a comment below, or you can email me, Kim at The Daily Coach. Give me the opportunity to do the pre-qualification with you, to help set your expectations, to make sure that you're financially qualified, to make sure that where you live or you would want the business to operate is an open and viable market for this concept. And then I'll bring you back to Michael, to Michael's team, who will begin the education process with you. Michael, do you agree with that? I agree 100%. Thank you, Michael, for joining. Uh, It's fun to actually see you face to face after exchanging so many emails. Thank you for joining us here on Kim Daily TV. And until next time, everybody, I am Kim Daly and I want to be your daily coach. If you found this inspiring, please contact me at inquire at kimdaily.tv. My consulting services are totally free to you. Again, that email is inquire at kimdaily.tv. I can't wait to hear from you.